Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. All right. I want you to go to the book of Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. Tonight, uh, we're continuing our series for the record, exposing biblical misunderstandings, things that have been commonly taught in the scriptures uh, about the scriptures or maybe about different characters in the scriptures or, or theological ideas or thoughts that, that have found to be really untrue. So tonight, one of the things that has been spoken through the generations about this patriarch, one of the patriarchs of our faith by the name of Jacob, who is Abraham's grandson, Isaac's son, was that, how many of you have ever heard that Jacob was a scoundrel? Hmm? Or you've heard that Jacob was a deceiver, right? Heard these things about him. But we do not see evidence of this from the Scripture. We've been duped. So we're going to walk through some Scripture and look through the life of Jacob to help you understand just how poorly he has been portrayed in the church. There's so much more to this man than being summed up to a mere scoundrel and deceiver. And the problem is, this has been one of the attacks or one of the avenues the enemy has used to cause people, listen to me, I'm being very serious with you, to cause people to look down upon the Jewish people. This is nothing more than just the seed of anti-Semitism to, to downplay this man Jacob because this was a man who was convinced that he could not live life without the blessing of God on his life. He would not live his life without God's blessing on his life. And he was aggressive about being blessed. And he's been, he's been lied about, he's been looked down upon, talked down upon because of that desire in his heart to live in the blessing of God. And it's a shame, and I'm here to speak up tonight for Jacob, all right? And help you, give you better understanding about this man who is a hero, a hero not a scoundrel. Are you ready? Genesis 25, we're going to start in verse 29. I've got lots of scripture we're going to walk through. All right, so just stick with me because we've got to see these specific areas of Jacob's life to help give us understanding about this man. Uh, chapter 25, what verse did I say? 29. Now Jacob cooked a stew. He can't be all that bad of a guy. He can cook, right? And Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with the same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom, or red. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I'm about to die. How dramatic can this guy get, right? Sounds like our teenagers today, right? I'm going to die. I'm about to die, man. This is killing me. So what is this birthright? Listen, what is this birthright to me? Now you have to understand just what the birthright meant for Esau to just pass it off so casually here. All right? Jacob knew the significance of the birthright. If you remember, there was a little prophetic picture at their birth. As Esau was born and Jacob reached out and took Esau by the hill. Do you remember that? So they called Jacob Jacob, which means supplanter, not deceiver, supplanter, all right? One who overtakes another, all right? One who overtakes, he had a hold of his heel. In other words, even in that 
picture right there, it was like Jacob wanted that birthright. And Esau didn't think too much of the birthright because look what happens in this story. He sold his, so he swore to him. Then Jacob says, swear to me this day, uh, of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils or just a bowl of beans, what it is. Then he ate and drank and arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now one of the one of the things that's been talked about in this story and then also a little bit later on is that it's, people have been made to feel sorry for Esau. Like Jacob tricked him into this thing, right? Esau knew what was coming. Esau just didn't think enough about his birthright to protect it and to care for it. Jacob knew though, man. He knew that birthright was everything, all right? So, and, and, and the reason, and, and the Lord even said that, told, uh, what's their mother's name? Rebecca, while she was pregnant with them in her womb, there was this war going on. And she said, if all things are good, why are these going on? And the Lord said, there are two nations in you. And the younger, the older will serve the younger. All right? Now, let's go over to Genesis 27. Let's go to two, two chapters over uh, to verse 1. All right. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau his older son and said to him, my son. And he answered him, here I am. Then he said, behold, now I am old and I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me. Uh, when the scripture sets the scene for these two brothers, it talks about how uh, Esau is the outdoorsman. He loves hunting and those kinds of, but Jacob was fairer and he dwelt in tents. City boy. All right, verse 4, and make savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game to bring it. Now who has a right to the blessing? Who has a right to the blessing? Who rightfully owns the birthright now? Okay. Apparently dad doesn't know about this. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game and bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Apparently, Mama knew about the exchange. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Catch that. What did she just tell him to do? Obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock. Bring me there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father, that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I, it, I, shall seem to, I shall seem to be a deceiver to him. And I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. Do you see that? So if Jacob is deceitful here, he doesn't get the blessing, he gets cursed. Remember that. But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. Now, we're going to jump down to verse 22. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father. So here's what happens. Mom makes the stew, and then she puts Jacob in an Esau costume. She takes this wool and she puts it around his hands and the back of his neck so that when his dad feels him, he'll feel hair. 
all right? But watch this. Jacob is not into this. He is so not, he's simply doing what mama said to do. Went near to his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's, but the hands are the hands of Esau. So it looks like to me that Jacob has got here into the tent with his dad, and he doesn't even try to disguise his voice. Like, he's so uncomfortable with this. But he feels him, and Jacob's like, yeah, it's me, Esau. He's like, you sound like Jacob. Like, like he's not even trying, but yet he feels him. He says, you feel like Esau, but you sound like Jacob. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. Now, let's go to the next chapter, chapter 28. Stay with me. Now, Jacob went out from Beersheba, verse 10. Now, Jacob went out from Beersheba and went to Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and he laid down in that place to sleep. Man, the ground's got to be hard if you're going to use a rock for a pillow. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give you, give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. Wow, this sounds like something he had spoken to Abraham before, what, didn't it? And also to Isaac. Does this sound like a cursing or does it sound like a blessing? Which means Jacob was not a what? Because God's not going to bless the deceiver. Okay. Behold, I am the Lord. Okay, I will give you descendants and your descendants. And all your descendants, verse 14, will be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So God's blessing was upon Jacob, clearly. God is just. He knows what a lie is and he knows what the truth is, all right? So his blessing is upon Jacob. Now, some time goes by and Jacob ends up going to uh, where his mother told him to go to find a wife, all right? Uh, and, and he goes and works for the, he falls in love with this girl named Rachel. You remember the story? And so he asked Rachel's dad, Laban, if, if he could have her for a wife. And he said, yeah, you got to work seven years for her, though. So he worked seven years. And the scripture says it only seemed like days because he was so enamored with her. Seven days. So then they, now he's prepared to consummate the marriage. And so back in those days, the father prepared the bride. <laughs> this is where the deception happens, all right? Wraps her all up where all you can just barely see her eyes. Get, throws Jacob in the tent. They have this big party. It's nighttime now. He sends Leah, not Rachel, into the tent. He can't tell what's going on. He just needs to, you know, do what he needs to do. Wakes up the next morning, and the scripture says, and behold, it was Leah, not Rachel. Ah! So he comes up to Laban. He's like, what have you done? He said, well, in my culture, he said, we can't give the younger before we give the oldest. So here's Leah. Oh, if you want Rachel, you need to work another seven years for me. Who's the deceiver here? Right? So then Jacob, so then Jacob works another seven years for Leah. I mean, for Rachel. And finally, he gets Rachel 
as his wife, the one he really loves. Now watch this. We'll come to, then we come to Genesis chapter 30, all right? And then he works another seven years for Laban, uh, keeping his flocks, all right? Look at verse 25. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me go, for you know my service which I have done for you. And Laban said to him, please stay if I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned, watch this, I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. I know why I'm blessed, because the blessing is on you. Not because I'm a truthful man, because I've proved to be a deceiver. Laban's the deceiver. Esau's the one who despises birthright. Jacob's the one who has the blessing. And because of that blessing on Jacob's life, it also affects those others who he comes in contact with. Is this good? Do you see a scoundrel and a deceiver here yet in this guy? Okay. Just make sure. I don't know if we're all reading the same Bible. Let's go to chapter 32. Chapter 32. <clears throat> the most interesting thing happens. Jacob wrestles with God. It says a man shows up and started wrestling with, with Jacob. In chapter 32, look at verse 26. And he, that is the man, we know that's Jesus, said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go. Unless you bless me. This guy is aggressive about it, isn't he? I will, I mean, isn't he already blessed? Right? I mean, how much more blessing do you want, Jacob? As much as God will give out. What is, <laughs> I'm not letting you go till you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? So he said, Jacob, verse 28. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Anybody know what Israel means? Prince of God. Wow. From supplanter, one who overtakes, to prince of God. Or prince with God, one, one definition is. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Wow. God said this about Jacob. You struggle with me and you struggle with others and you won. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. Now we come to chapter 35. The last place in Genesis, we'll look. Then God appeared to Jacob again, verse 9. Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from uh, Paddan Aram and blessed him. This guy's getting all kind of blessed, isn't he? God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac I give to you and to your descendants. After you I give this land. Then God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. God don't hang around deceivers and scoundrels. Huh? We have no scriptural evidence about Jacob being any of this. We see a man who walks in integrity. Now watch, Romans 9.13 says, as it is written, this is what the Lord says, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Why is everybody feeling sorry for Esau? And then Hebrews 12 
Then we'll go to the next thing. Hebrews 12, verse 14, look at this. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Verse 15, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Now watch this. And then he gives us an analogy of what that looks like. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For one morsel of food. It's like the, the author here just can't believe that this guy did that. A bowl of beans for his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. In other words, he found no place for repentance. What that means is his dad could not change his mind. His dad said, I can't. I've already blessed Jacob. And though Esau wept for it, please, dad, change your mind. He sought for it with tears and says, can't change my mind. Found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. So let's, let's, let's look at Jacob, and let's look at Esau and these other guys through what the Scripture really has to say. Jacob was a blessed man because Jacob was a good man. All right? He was just a very aggressive good man. As I said, he would not live his life without the blessing of God upon his life. I think we could all take, huh? We could all get a little bit like Jacob hmm? and go after. Let me, tell you, let me tell you something. There are a bunch of Esau's out there, and there are a bunch of other people out there that are going to despise the thing that you love, that despise the blessings of God, that denigrate it all the time, that denigrate, denigrate uh, healing, that denigrate prosperity, and all the good things that the Lord gives us through salvation, they did, and, they, and they all act like Esau and call you the scoundrel and call you the deceiver because you just want the blessing in your life. So don't let that dissuade you from receiving what God has freely given. Hey, check this out. He who spared not his own son but delivered him up for all of us, how will he not also with him freely give us all things. In other words, God's saying, hey, what do you want? Who's going to be a Jacob out there that's going to say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not taking another step. I'm not taking another breath. I'm not doing one more thing until I know I've got the blessing of God in my life. I'm going to do whatever it takes to have the blessing flowing in my life and go after it with everything in you. Amen. Just see if you can run him dry. I don't think you can. All right, let's go to Joshua chapter 10. We're going to go to one other. Is this all right? Is this, is this helping you or not? Okay. We're going to go to another place, another common <laughs> misunderstanding that's taken from, uh, it's taken from, actually, let's go to Hebrews first. I mean, uh, Ephesians, sorry. Uh, what's your name back there? Who's running the computer? Alex. Everybody say, I love you, Alex. Oh, let's not leave Carl out. I love you, Carl. All right. Ephesians chapter 4, let's look at verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, you've heard me talk about this, but I just want to show this to you from Scripture tonight, that 
maybe you were told this as you were growing up too, but my grandmother used to love telling me and my brother this because me and my brother fought all the time when we were growing up, all the time. And she'd always say, now, whatever you do, you better make sure you make up before the sun goes down. Because the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, don't go to bed angry. That's what the scripture says, what she'd say. That's actually not a bad rule, is it? You know, that's, that, that's a pretty good principle, but that's not what this is saying. Because <laughs> what if you get, what if you fight after dark? What if the fight starts after the sun goes down? Then you got all day long to be ticked off at each other, right? Right before the sun goes down. I mean, you're going to milk that 24 hours, you know. You're gonna, right, so that, that doesn't really make sense, okay? Do not let the sun go down. Now, look at the next verse, verse 27. Nor give place to the devil. Oh, where is he getting this from? What is the Apostle Paul talking about? Well, let's go to Joshua chapter 10 for a moment. And verse 12, you know this wonderful story. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, now at this point, the Lord has gotten in the battle with them. The scripture says that God was hurling hailstones out of heaven at the Amorites, and more were killed by the hailstones than the word by Joshua's men and their swords, all right? But Joshua sees something going on. He sees that as they're winning this battle, they're losing daylight. He sees that the sun is beginning to descend in that western sky, and something's got to be done. So he doesn't know what else to do except speak up to the Lord and say this, Son, stand still! I mean, what else you got to do, right? We need the whole solar system to halt right now. Stand still over Gibeon and the moon in the valley of Agilon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? I've got to see this book, Jasher. I've seen this a few times. Where is this book, Jasher? All right. So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man in, 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 in that way is what it means. For the Lord fought for Israel. Maybe the Apostle Paul, when he's saying, give no place to the devil, do not let the sun go down in your wrath, he's speaking of this day when Joshua refused to let the sun go down until his enemies were vanquished. All right, don't let the sun go down in your wrath. In other words, what he's saying, when it comes to the devil, when it comes to evil, when it comes to sin, get angry and stay angry. Never let the sun set on your anger toward that. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Stay wrathful. Not against people. Not against your loved ones. Not against your spouse. Not against your boss. That's kind of easy sometimes, isn't it? No, against the devil. Nor give place to the devil. So then you understand what it means by be angry and do not sin. You know, there's a way to sin angry. Huh? That's when your anger is aimed at the wrong thing. Be angry and do not sin. Yeah. There is such a thing as righteous anger. 
I appreciate righteous anger. You know, we're, we're, we're sitting here tonight in a free country because some men had some righteous anger. Right? They got angry about taxation without representation. They got angry about tyranny and said, you know what? We're done with this. We need to get angry again about taxation without representation, don't we? <laughs> okay. This is good. Say, this is good, Pastor Eric. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Now I know. All right. So we'll, we'll start one more thing, but I don't, I don't want to finish it tonight because there's so much of it to cover. But I just want to say this. Jesus was not poor. Jesus was not poor. Catholicism has taught you that. But the Bible doesn't teach you that. Okay? Jesus was not poor. So let's go to a place, a couple of places. Are you ready? Nor were his disciples. All right. Now let's go to Matthew 26. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> well, hang on, hang on. Yes. I wanted to, to find the specific person here, I think, actually. Yeah, it's John. I'm sorry, John 12. John 12. I had to find the right gospel where it gave more specific detail. All right. John chapter 12, look at this. Verse 1, then six days after, before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. Uh, there they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why has this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor. Don't you love that it makes sure to let you know what Judas' real intention was? This he said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. So let's just take, for just a moment, let's pretend like Jesus and his guys have 75 cents in the box, as, as we imagine that Jesus had a handful of change in the purse, and Judas is the treasurer of 75 cents. Right? And he's dipping in the purse. I mean, isn't it going to be obvious to everybody, somebody's been taking money, out of the prayer. We only have two quarters now. We used to have three, right? But if, if there is enough money there that Judas is dipping into the purse, ladies and gentlemen, as to go unnoticed, come on. Let's give him a little bit more money in our minds, all right? Watch this. Then Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor... You have with you always. Did you catch that? Watch. But me, 
you do not have always. Whoa. Did he just make a distinction between him and the poor? Yes, he did. The poor you have always with you, but me you don't always have. Okay, one hint here that Jesus was not poor. Makes a clear distinction. All right, you want to go to another place? Yes, Pastor Eric, we love this. Okay, what? In my mind, it's... Oh, man. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Mark chapter 10. Verse 17. Now, he was going out on the road. Mark 10, 17. Thank you, Alex. I know I didn't give you any of these. Now, as he was going out on the road, and one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Do not, I mean, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. That's, that's a pretty good thing, huh? If Jesus is telling you, you just lack one thing and you're perfect, that's not bad. However, this one thing, pretty tough on this boy. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come. Take up the cross and follow me. <coughs> What's that again? But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. Now, before we go any further, if you hear this and you're poor, what are you going to say when you hear Jesus say, it's hard for rich people to get into the kingdom of heaven? What are you going to say if you're poor? Yeah. Sticking rich people. Yeah, should be hard on them. They get it easy here. Right? We get in free. Well, look, look what his disciples did. And his disciples were astonished at his words. Astonished? Matter of fact, in one version it says, they said, well, who then can be saved? Poor people don't, ain't going to be talking like that. Poor people aren't going to be reacting like that. Right? Who then can be saved? Ah, oh, they're astonished. But Jesus entered and said, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches. Oh, he says, I'm not saying that rich people have a hard time getting to heaven. I'm saying those who trust in riches. You guys are cool. Chill out. <laughs> it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man or somebody who what? Trusts in riches to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, there it is, who then can be saved? They still can't get over it. Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all, and these guys are still, they still are, are freaking out, right? 
But Lord, you know, we left everything and we're following you, right? But, you know, Peter didn't really leave everything. Do you remember that after Jesus died on the cross, do you remember where Peter went? Right back to his fleet of ships and went to fishing. He didn't sell it all. He just left it all at the bank. I'll be back to get you. <laughs> Don't you go anywhere. All right? See, we've left off all. Look what Jesus says here. This is so beautiful. Verse 29, Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wives or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who will not receive a hundredfold when? Now, now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. He replaced wife with persecutions right there. Isn't that something? I just found it. I didn't I just I think he's got kind of a sense of humor here. Persecution is the Greek word for wife. <laughs> okay. I should have closed this a long time ago. And in the age to come, watch. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. And now what Jesus said, if anybody has left, listen to me, they may have left their homes, and they've done all that stuff and given it all up for my sake in the Gospels, guess what? In this lifetime right here, while on the earth, you get a hundredfold return. Hey, let me just say something. There have been those who have done that, who have abandoned homes and left families and gone to, and have not received that promise. Why? Why? Could be that they acted like Esau instead of Jacob. That they despised the, the birth, they despised the blessing, didn't want it, hmm? or they didn't know, they weren't taught that, they were ignorant of that promise. There are lots of people ignorant of the truth of the gospel, right? But once they hear it and believe, whoo, you get all of its reality. What, I want, what I'd like to see is that those who do this, especially those who leave a, a land like we have here, this wonderful country, and they go off to these foreign countries, and these, I think missionaries ought to hear these verses right here and believe and thank God that though they have sacrificed for a while, yet in this lifetime they will receive a hundredfold. What would that look like? Jesus said that. No one, he said. All right? And then in the life, of course, eternal life and the life to come, the ages to come. It's a glorious thought, one that's not talked about very much, but only people who are aggressive about the blessings see scriptures like that, huh? And say, you know what? If he said that, I want it. If, that, if he's made that promise, I want that promise. I want, to, I want to get more into Jesus and his disciples not being poor. We need to spend some time in the scriptures on that. But uh, so that the Bible, we're just going to let it speak to us, all right? And let it be the, the truth for us. Can we all be mature enough here? When we come into the house of God and we look into the word of God, that when we see something that's contrary to what we think or believe, that we'll automatically start believing the scripture over our own experience. Uh, that's real maturity, when you just don't argue with God. You don't, you don't have to like it, just don't argue with him. There are lots of scriptures I don't like. Turn the other cheek. I don't like that scripture. I wish it wasn't there. I'd like to just punch the guy, right? Can we, can we how, about, how about eye for an eye, Jesus? How about cheek for a cheek? No, it's there. Got to deal with it, even though we don't like it all the time. 
I was kidding about the wife persecution thing, honey. Just, just so you know. Give you some time to cool down before we get home. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself to us in your scriptures, God. Not so. You've given us this word not for things to be difficult, but Lord, for, for your people to study and to, to really spend time in your word so that we can know the truth. That truth that we know will set us free. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us all of these wonderful promises. Lord, it'll take a lifetime to experience them and beyond. Thank you, Lord, that all of them, all of your promises are yes and amen. Your answer to us is yes. And we thank you for that assurance. And we pray the answer is yes. We pray in the name of Jesus. We pray according to your will. Well, what is your will? You said whatever things you desire when you pray. Believe you receive them and you will have them. Thank you, Lord, that you took all the limits off. You said with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. I thank you, Lord, for your blessing upon each and every one who's under the sound of my voice now. I pray as the Apostle Paul prayed for them that grace and peace would be multiplied to them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, that your people... Where they go, they are blessed. I thank you, Lord, for that aggression for your blessing in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that, that, that we'd all have that Jacob kind of spirit, Lord, that we don't want anything less than what you have for us, God. We want to live in the abundance of your blessing, Lord. Lord, not, 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 just, not just for the sake of that, but, Lord, understanding that it'll, it'll change our generation. It'll change those who we come in contact with. Even the, There'll be Labans in our life who say, I know I'm blessed because I'm connected to you. Lord, even our children, Lord, will rise up and call us blessed. And we'll leave an inheritance for our children and our children's children, Lord. Not just in material things, that's great, but, Lord, in the legacy of faith that we are building. Thank you for that, God. I thank you, Lord, for your blessing now upon all these who are here, God. Thank you, God, that they come here faithful. They're hungry for the Word of God. Thank you, God, for your blessing on them for that and that your Word prospers in their life. Lord, that they are promoted, that they are favored, God, that they are healthy, in, in, in spirit, soul, and body in Jesus' name, that their marriages experience the peace of God and the joy of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that their children will rise up and call them blessed. Their children will be taught of the Lord, and great will be their peace. Thank you, Lord, that no matter what we face, God, we all, we all understand that God plus me is a majority. Greater is he who is in us than he that's in the world. And we thank you for victory. Thank you for faith in God because it is the victory that overcomes the world. And now as your people go here tonight, Lord, they go to their homes. As they lay upon their beds tonight, they will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O oh Lord, make them dwell in safety. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Pray. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.